What's up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So I'm taking a break from protesting. I've been at so many at this point. I, I honestly can't tell you when and where I've met some fantastic people. But we have to bring you a new podcast episode. And we are still in the quarantine zone uh, recording at home. But I, I, I was watching the Dave Chappelle special, I guess, a few days ago. And he said something that piqued my interest. And it was that people don't want to hear from celebrities in this moment. And, you know, I was very curious about the, that. And you can either agree or disagree. We're not going to get too much into that right now. But I, I did find that there is a lack of artistic expression in this moment. And you can possibly tie that into how COVID has really changed our world. But from a historical context, when you see moments of intense political conflict, when you see moments of people taken to the streets and protests of what's happening in our government and what's happening in our communities, that is almost always coincided with some form of artistic expression, some new song, some new album, some new artist that that breaks and and really adds uh, context to what's happening. And so we're not seeing that right now. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I think it's important to understand that artistic expression, musical expression, isn't just a segment of these movements. It's vital to its success. It's how the common person connects with what's happening. It's how it's broken down and it connects on an emotional level. And so today on the podcast, I have Toya. She hosts uh, The First Time I Heard. It's a podcast talking about the first time you heard a particular song. She's a former DJ. And I really wanted to have someone who understands that connection and what we hope to see come out of this as a result of artistic expression, as a result of culture in this moment of COVID, in this moment of Black Lives Matter, uh, mass supporters coming out, and this moment of intense protests. Here at Salah's Corner, I am always looking to connect with new people, hear new perspectives, and share new stories. And right now, I want to hear from you. Email me at realtalk at salazcorner.com and we can get your story featured on our next episode. Welcome to Salah's Corner. Toya, first of all, I think what, what did we run into each other at Rec Philly once? And yeah, I, we did. I followed you on Instagram and, and, and started looking into your background a little bit. So tell, tell the folks what you do and how long you've been doing it. Great. Thank you. Um, I'm Toya Haynes and I am the editor for Philly Soul Life which is a website that pretty much gives people the news on what's going on, highlights um, live soul music in Philadelphia. I'm a podcaster also, so I'm the host of The First Time I Heard, where I talk to other creatives and public figures about the first time they heard their favorite artists. Mm -hmm. And I also am the co-host of a pretty new podcast called Unsung Unwrapped, which uh, with my co-host Nikki Wright, and we talk about the TV One show Unsung. We recap every episode, so we really? unwrap every episode of Unsung. Yes, that's pretty new. So you may not have known that because I don't think I was doing that when we met. Mm -mm. So I do that too. And I'm also a writer. I've written a couple articles on Medium. So just all around creative, music lover, um, very passionate about Philadelphia artists, very passionate about just artists and music, particularly Black music in general. I, I think that's yeah. I think that's dope because I think more, right now more than ever we need a lot more black joy. 
into mm. just kind of injected mm. everywhere. You know, I've, I, I spent yeah. the, I spent a week really out protesting, you know, mm. not this past week, but the week prior. And like, I, mm. I had to take a few days to just like, you know, my world is activism and my world is like community organizing. Mm. And you know, I, I needed to just like, mm-hmm. you know, I need a break from this shit. Cause it's too much. So th- I, I, yeah. I wanted to have you because it's like, too much. It is. It is. And it's, it's important to like, with all the the pain that black people go through, there's a lot of moments where we can find a lot of black joy. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to bring yeah. you in to yeah. talk about like the cause I think that's a realm and space that creators, particularly musicians hold very dear in taking moments mm-hmm. that we're in and putting it into songs and transforming it in a way that really hits home and connects you on an emotional level. Right. So with all of that said, just like, what have you, what's been going through your mind lately? I read your recent blog posts, but I'll allow you to share your, your perspective of, okay. of like how you're feeling in this current moment. Sure, sure. You know, there's something that I thought was very interesting that John Mayer said. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with John Mayer, the mm-hmm. artist John Mayer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And someone was asking him, and this was actually before uh, the killing of George Floyd and may have been, may have been right before the killing of Ahmaud Arbery. And so I can imagine he's having a difficult time now. But what he said was, someone had asked him, with all the time that you've had during the pandemic, you know, because you can't go anywhere, can't do anything, I believe he lives in Montana, have you been able to create? He said, actually, I haven't been in the studio as much as you would think I would be with all the free time. Because what I realized as a creative is that I create from a place of joy. And I thought that was very interesting for him to say, because I think a lot of times as creators, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when there's downtime. Mm -hmm. We feel like we should be doing something. And to know that someone like him that creates, he he writes a lot of songs that have been very important to people in our generation. Songs like Gravity, Believe, things like that. Clarity. For him to say, I usually write out of a place of joy and I have not been able to find that joy to write out of. I think kind of rings true to a lot of people. I haven't heard a lot of new music. You know, I haven't heard a lot of protest songs. I haven't heard a lot of songs about racism. I haven't heard, we're still going back to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. You know, we're still going back to Gil Scott Heron. We're still going back to songs like that. Uh, Still going back to Kendrick Lamar's All Right. You know, I haven't heard the 2020 versions of those songs. And I think it might be because Creatives are having a problem, possibly, creating from a place of of joy or urgency right now. I think they're really trying to just protect their mental health as much as possible. Does that make sense? It it does. And actually, you know, it's interesting because I I did this uh, video with this group talking about uh, Nipsey Hussle songs, Fuck Donald Trump. And... Mm -hmm. You know, I've been seeing Mm -hmm. that played over and over lately. And part of the conversation was like rap has been defined as speaking from a place of pain and oppression. And so it's interesting right, right. that this moment now, we, we aren't seeing a lot of that, you know, speaking mm-hmm. from artists, speaking from a, a place of pain and oppression, because like, it's like, they're so fucking exhausted and there's so much happening in this moment mm-hmm. that even, you know, as rap was really born out of that, a lot of those movements, has really kind of suffered in the a case of like, yo, society is just tired of this shit. We're tired. We're <laughs> exhausted. 
We are absolutely exhausted. Today, J. Cole came out with a new song. Did he really? And he did. He's actually caught a lot of flack about it, too. It's called Snow on the Bluff. Mm-hmm. And he references No Name. We find out later he's talking about the artist No Name. Because she was basically saying, she was asking, like, why aren't more rappers speaking out? Why aren't more people speaking out? And his thing was that, you know, her tone kind of kind of bothers me, you know, calling me out like that. Like, he's, he was basically saying, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And even though he's been out protesting and doing things, I guess he doesn't feel the heavy responsibility to create from that space right now. Mm. So what does he say? He says, she strikes me as somebody blessed enough to grow up in a conscious environment with parents that know about the struggle for liberation and in turn they provided with. So he's saying, you know, you seem to be someone that grew up knowing how to express yourself like that, you know, knowing how to be conscious. I did not. And he's receiving a lot of flack from that, especially because we're in a highly sensitive time that if you're going to critique black women, even though you call her a queen, might not be the best time Mm, (laughs) to release something like that. We're at a very highly sensitive time where timing is everything right now maybe something like this would have been better received earlier this year right but now you just you just have to be wise and so i hope i'm hoping that we'll get some music because i believe that the movement needs music but i'm just not seeing it yeah hence why i wanted to have this conversation right while there's not a lot of new music being created, I think mm-hmm. we have a lot that we can really draw back to to find moments oh, that yeah. inspire us through, these, through yeah. these moments. One of my all-time favorites is always going to be Fight the Power, both the Isleys and and Public, Public Enemy. Enemy. <laughs> even And even though like now Public Enemy is going through their whole little, you know, mm-hmm. issues, I feel like they're always going through issues though. But like that, I find that moment to be so true to the kind of or that song really capsules what's really happening right now because it's not just fight the power of of systemic oppression but also fighting the power of like abuse of power and abuse of police and the abuse Mm -hmm. of systems that constantly are oppressing us and that's a song that i've been kind of listening to more frequently just because I, I feel a deeper connection to it to just sound out whatever is really happening around me. And there's like a motivating mm-hmm. push to kind of continue. What, what's, what songs do you recommend for folks and what, what's one of your favorites? You dropped a, a gem <laughs> on me as we were connecting. Oh yeah. This. Yeah. There's, there's two songs from the same album from D'Angelo and the Vanguard. The one that I sent you was the charade which is a song that I very much love. It's, it's one of those songs I call one of the greatest songs Prince never wrote because it has a very Prince in the Revolution kind of feel yeah. to it. D'Angelo, of course, had a huge Prince influence and mm-hmm. he performed it on SNL. The album, album came out six years ago. And I remember when he performed it on SNL, you know, artists usually do two songs. It's the second song that he did. Everybody had on I Can't Breathe shirts because it was right after um, the Eric Garner mur- murder. Damn. Still going through this crap. Damn. Six years ago. And the, and the chorus goes, all we wanted was a chance to talk, so we only got outlined in chalk. Hard lyrics, right? Yeah. All we wanted was a chance to talk. And I've been listening to that, and I've been, that's been going in through my head over and over and over again, because I think about all we wanted was a chance to talk. You hear people say, when a black man is murdered, a lot of times, certain white people will say, well, we don't know the whole story. Well, we'll never get the whole story, will we? Because he's been murdered. 
Whereas Dylan Roof killed nine people in a church. He got some fast and, food out of that. And was sitting in the back of a police car and got Burger King. Tamir Rice never got a chance to talk. Little kid with a toy gun never got a chance to talk. So that that song has been ringing in my head a lot. And there's another song called A Thousand Deaths, which I really like because he talks about there's a there's a phrase a coward dies a thousand times but a soldier only dies but once yes and it's been encouraging to me because i get i can get really depressed about things i can get really sad you know and that's the song that i listen to that tells me just don't punk out don't punk out and as a person of faith there's a, there's a line in it where he says yahweh yashua he don't want no coward soldiers and that's something that encourages me like yeah, you're going to be sad because this sucks, but you need to make it over the hill. You need to, this is what you've been called to do during this time. And so those are two songs that really helped me. Yo, when you sent uh, the charade to me, I was like, man, have I heard this song before? And I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's one of those songs where like, I, it took me a moment to really sit down, take a listen. I even pulled up the lyrics and I was like, man, this song is deep. Like this song. You've got to, because you have so no idea what he's saying deep. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that heavy, <laughs> but it's my yeah. God, that song is so, and I, I like, I ended up sitting down when you sent it to me. I think I listened to it like three, four times in a row. Yeah. And just like played it over and over and listened to the, to the lyric. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God damn, this song is just like, it's, it's hard. It, it, it makes you feel deep, but then it's also like, you know, it's this weird thing that I, I find particularly that Black artists do really well of capsulizing the pain, but also uplifting you at the same time. And like, yeah, like really it's so melodic, it's almost soothing. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, right. It's, it's, it's a very melodic song. It's almost soothing. Mm-hmm. Until you read the lyrics, you're like, okay, now this is. This is <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I, I think about like how you know, those old Negro spirituals kind of feel, right? And it's, this is kind of yeah. our version of, of that in a sense of, you know, it's, it's, these are songs that we sing to get us through the moments, but also, you know, talks about our pain and talks about like the mm-hmm. fight to, to kind of continue. What do you think when it comes to like, what, what type of, what artists today, even though, you know, we're not seeing a lot of new music, like what, what artists today do you think really kind of stay true to that, you know, you know, fight the power, you know, the charade, that, that spirit of continuing to fight yeah. through song and protest. I know, I feel like artists like Common have done that consistently. I know The Roots did an album with John Legend called Wake Up. Mm. And someone retweeted, someone tweeted something like, we need a part two of this. And I think Questlove, who's like one of my favorite people in the world, and he wrote, uh, challenge accepted. I would love to hear anything Black Thought has to say about any of this. (laughs) You know, anything he has to say. I said, Kendrick Lamar. You know... The fact that I'm having a hard time even coming up with artists says a lot in itself. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that could be something good that comes out of all this. I think before this happened, we were going through a sort of Black creative renaissance. We still are, you know, with uh, the artists like Issa Rae and artists like Kendrick Barris. Am I Kendrick Barris, Kendrick yep. Barris. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendrick the Barris. Black AF and Right. Black-ish. 
Exactly. M- Michaela Cole. You know, artists like that. We're seeing more creatives portray Black people outside of misery. You know, outside of like, we live regular lives. We have romances. We have right. families. You know, things like that. And so I'm hoping with the call out of record labels that have not been in the business of preserving the greatness that is black music. I'm hoping that now we will start getting these songs. I think there's been some sort of oppression that's happened where black artists have not been able to create under those things. I think a lot of times we, we blame the artists and say, Oh, there's no depth. There's no this, there's no that. I mean, and I, I don't think, that's that's what they want you know I, right. I, I wouldn't be surprised me i've heard people say i've gone to label meetings and wanted to do this and they I have a white person tell me this is not what black people want you know and unless you're beyonce or jay-z you know you can't call the shots that you would like to call in your music and i'm really hoping that with the push that seems to be behind black creatives that is, that is now coming in the form of dollars that we'll be able to see some change in our music as a whole I, I consider myself to be the biggest fan of Black Thought and the Roots to ever exist. Mm-hmm. Like, challenge accepted indeed. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I remember one time having an opportunity. I, oh, my God. I, I don't remember who it was, actually. Someone invited me to um, a recording session in Philly. This was, oh, my God. This was 10 plus years ago where the roots were and they were you know and they were talking to them and they were like oh my god i have this friend who's from philly he's like the biggest roots fan and you know the re- their response was like we don't have no fans in philly philly don't really love us and this was this was 2007 mm. i want to say so this was like mm. you know this was pre uh t- tonight show you know yeah pre- like this was I, this was after what was that what was the album that they came out with it wasn't the phrenology it was after phrenology because phrenology was like oh three i think okay it was after that but like you know they they had i mean they, they you know they had already won grammys at this point they're blown mm-hmm. out overseas but like they really didn't get a lot of love in philly i i feel like you know mm. back in, in that time and so like I, I I regret not being able to just go. I had to. I I was with my son, so I couldn't like take yeah. it up and be like, I want to go see the roots. But like, right? It's it's. I feel like you know there is there has been a shift in in the industry, particularly with black music, away mm-hmm. from like you talked about that connection to the pain and oppression, and more on the glitz and glamour of it in mm-hmm. the mainstream of black music, and then now we're putting a lot more of a burden on black artists to like come mm-hmm. out in this moment right now to do something to do, do you, you said there is a, a black Renaissance when it comes to, to just really, I think everything, particularly in Philly uh, music mm-hmm. artists and, and creatives and entrepreneurs and all of that here in Philly. Do you think mm-hmm. that will start to shift back? Like th- does you think will this moment start to shift the call to more of, you know, we want to have a, a deeper connection to our, our music rather than more glitz and glamour. I hope so. Something we're doing actually next week, we're doing a talk. We haven't even announced it yet, but I, w- I will tell you, Evan Burton and myself, Evan Burton, who runs Anderson Street Project, who's the editor and creator over there. I'm the editor for Philly Soul Live. And we're going to be doing a talk with Bino French, Carol mm. Reddick, Zeke Burst, and Queen Joe about reclaim um, what's it called uh, reflecting the times mm-hmm. after that nina simone quote 
how can, how can you be an artist and not reflect the times? So we're going to talk to them about the responsibility that they feel, may feel right now in their music to do so. I, I'm hoping that's what would happen. I see, you know, Philly and, and I mean, God, it's, it's in the, it's in the blood. It's in the soil. You know, we, Kenny Gambling Huff, wake up everybody, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, you know, stylistic people make the world go around. Like, mm-hmm songs that, that they've had this is in our culture but we are also living at a time where arts and culture funding the city has dropped the budget to zero like they're proposing right zero mm-hmm. in philadelphia philadelphia mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you know, philadelphia it's, it's mind-blowing mind-blowing you can have murals everywhere you can see the effects of the arts particularly during this pandemic it has been the arts that have kept people sane and it's so disrespectful to drop it down to say that it is worth zero. So as people are pulling together, not only around the protest of police brutality and systemic racism, and we have artists pulling together for that and to raise awareness for that. And hopefully, you know, that won't happen, that it's reduced to zero. I, I really want to believe in this community that we will have some great music come out of it because it's, it's what we're made from. Honestly, sometimes I get frustrated with the leaders here in Philadelphia because, like you said, Philadelphia is known for its arts. Philadelphia is the mural capital. And we literally introduce a budget with zero dollars. And like not in a not to say like it was cut or no, it literally has a line item that says zero. Zero dollars. It's such a slap in the face to creatives in the city. It's such a slap in the face to black people in the city, black creatives in the city, where a lot of this was built on the backs of them. And so like it's sometimes it's You know, while we we can have a, I'm not going to get too heavy into politics of it, but like we get in, we can have a democratic city, but like, it's like Mm -hmm. they're completely disconnected to what's really, what's really happening around them and what the people are demanding. With that being said, though, do you think that there's a huge movement to push the city to reinvest in arts program with their new budget? Mm -hmm. Do you think that that pushes is going to hold some sway with city council and, and the mayor. For the it, city. it better because when you, when you tell people that their arts and culture community is, or existence is worth $0 and you're telling people that there's no reason to stay. Mm-hmm. And so you get upset when people move and feel like, well, I can't do anything in Philadelphia. I can't flourish in Philadelphia. So I need to move to New York or I need to move to LA or I need to move to Nashville or Austin. And we have too much talent and have so much, we have such a hot bed of creativity here that needs to be here. You have to invest in it so they can invest in it. Mm. And so to do something like that, you're saying it's fine if you go and we don't need people to go. We don't need just monuments. You know, we need existing, existing creativity. Mm. I, I, I hope so. I think, I think city council is more willing to, to listen to the people here in Philadelphia. They've shown that with demanding that the, the mayor kind of respond to the police budget that was proposed. And so mm-hmm. I hope that they'll, a lot of leverage will be pushed towards them and they'll, they'll, you know, find ways to support the arts community because you're right. Like it's basically saying, we don't want you here in Philly and they will go into other places where they can yeah. live and thrive. And, it's, yeah. you know, Philly, as the city as a whole, will be hurt for it. My last question really is, 
do you think this moment, I've been asking everyone this, do you think this moment is kind of a blip? Like I, I hear a lot of people saying that everything that we're going through right now feels different, you know, mm. from, from business side to the, to the music industry, to the arts, to government, to all of that. Like, do you think our society is in a, just kind of a blip right now where we're only paying attention to everything that's happening in the moment? Or do you really think this is going to be a, a cultural shift here in Philadelphia and mm-hmm. kind of across the country? I feel like this is a cultural shift because even with, with, with Black Lives Matter, you've seen it translate over to Europe. You know, you've seen it go to other places where they're not protesting Black Lives Matter just because of George Floyd. They're talking about their own systemic racism over there. They're talking about their own police brutality. They're like, we're sick of it all over the world. You know? Yeah. Um, yes, they stand with us. But what's also been uncovered for a lot of us that don't know what what happens internationally with our black brothers and sisters in England, in Sweden, you know, in Germany, we're finding out this is this is a mentality and just an illness that has plagued us for so long that they're like, we're sick, too. And yes, there's a pandemic where we're still marching because unlike everything else, racism has not been canceled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the whole world can shut down and racism isn't canceled. Y'all can't social distance yourselves and racism. Right, right. So I, I don't think this is a blip. I don't think this is just a hashtag. I don't think it is a hot thing at the moment. I think that people, there are people that are really starting to wake up and are making the changes that need to be made, which really is not up to black people. You know, like we've, and we're talking about music. We have made the songs, we've made the plays, we've written the books, we've done everything to entertain people and educate people. And now they have to take these things and and do something about it instead of sitting back and being entertained by us. I think that's happening. I think this is, as much as I hate the phrase unprecedented times, because you hear it all the time, (laughs) I, I truly believe this is a shift. And I think that's part of what can help with the joy in creating is that hope and being able to look at our generation and look at, you know, things that happened. We had, you know, Rodney King and everything. And, but this is different. This is really different. Yeah. I I certainly hope so because like I I'd hate to be the generation that is continuously passing on the same yeah. drama and issues to, to, to my kids. And so I, I certainly hope and I'll remain hopeful as, as, you know, as much as I have no faith in the systems, I'm hopeful in the people to, to, yeah. to change them. So that ends my official interview portion. We're going to take a quick break and I have six random questions. We call the segment The Corner and we're going to have you okay. answer them in a moment. Hey, everybody. I know throughout this pandemic, everyone has been saying we're all in this together. Well, here at Salas Corner, I want to really hear from you and what you're enduring during this pandemic. Give us a call and leave us a voice memo and we'll play that on our next episode of Salas Corner. That number is 267-225-5891. Share with me your thoughts, your feelings, things that you're doing to survive during this pandemic. And you'll get your memo featured on the next episode of Salas Corner. Welcome back to the corner. This segment is really to just add a little bit of black joy before you close everything out. 
So Fun. six random ass questions, answer them. <laughs> the first thing that pops into your mind, don't have to think about mm-hmm. them or anything like that. All right. Question number one, okay. what's a guilty pleasure that you have that you can't live without? <laughs> that I can't live without a guilty pleasure that I have that I can't live without. Okay, so I really love AM Gold music. Do you know what mm, AM Gold music no. is? AM Gold, remember like those Time Life commercials? Oh, where God, it's those? like, <laughs> <laughs> where it's like, it's like them old, those old, like, like Patty Austin, James Ingram, Air Supply, old Journey, old George Benson, old, like, that's hilarious. <laughs> like old Billy Ocean kind of stuff. I just, I just think of like, uh, it's like two, three in the morning and these commercials is coming on to the point where I feel like I still know them by heart, but I'm not going. Yes. I'm not gonna yeah, and you right hear now. like, you know what song comes after? I love, I used to call it when I was a kid, I call it like doctor's office music. I love some AM gold yacht rock kind of that is hilarious that's hilarious you you know you you gotta you gotta be uh you have to have different tastes so i ain't mad at you (laughs) (laughs) all right question number two what's uh what's a popular opinion that most people have but you disagree with i feel like that might have been one of them trying to think of something that's not gonna get my car key i was about to say don't get canceled you know i love doing that i mean Whew, what do I feel safe saying? <laughs> a popular opinion that everybody has. Um, I'll play it real safe and say, tacos are kind of overrated. <laughs> I understand they're having a moment. Tacos are having a moment. You know, cupcakes had a moment. Donuts had a moment. Tacos, they're, they're a bit overrated. That's, that's fair. Anything could be a taco. You can throw anything in a shell and it's a taco. Like, it's kind of overrated. I, that's enough. the safe route. That's, that that's was very route. safe. I'll, 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 I'll accept that answer. <laughs> All right. Question number three. If you can live anywhere, where would it be? Anywhere, where would it be? This is going to be so basic, ridiculous. <laughs> I would love just a really nice, like, brownstone townhome in Philadelphia. I know it's crazy. Like, like it's just, it's regular. But I say that because I don't want to be far from my mom. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So, so it's like, if I could live anywhere, it would still need to be close to my mother. That's very nice. Yeah. So I would say that's a sweet. really, really, really nice, nice spot in Philadelphia. But I just, I can't be too far from my mom. See, that's very sweet. I can't even get mad at you over that. <laughs> All right. Question number four. How do you respond to overly aggressive drivers on the road? Mm. I make sure to pull behind them so I can keep mm. my eye on them. I don't even really get mad. I just get careful. Got so if they're overly aggressive, I need to know, need to pull back so I can keep my eye on them. And if playing I feel like, I, I, yeah, playing it safe. I can get off at the next exit that I need to get off of and get ahead of them, I will. But if not, I need to keep my eye on them. Very, very safe driving. All right. Question number five. What's a stereotype about your demographic that doesn't apply to you? I'm like, should I say this? <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I promise you won't get your black card taken. Okay. A stereo. That we all want to be married and have kids. Mm. I don't have kids and I'm not married. 
and I am not exactly a millennial. So, and it's not that I don't want to be married. Like it would be cool, but <laughs> it's also okay that I'm not, you know what I mean? Right. Right. And so I think that's, I think there's a, there's a thing that, you know, if, if you're of a certain age as a woman, so I'm talking about myself as a black woman that you hear the clock ticking and you're, you know, wondering and waiting. And I think maybe that's a stereotype that I don't really live by. That's interesting because the biggest shock to that was that you're not a millennial. I would have definitely pegged you (laughs) as a millennial. That was the biggest shock to that answer. All right. (laughs) All right. Final question is if you could go back in time and give your adolescent self a word of advice, what would it be? Oh, I would tell myself it is perfectly okay that you like the music that you like in its totality. And that the way you learn, although different, is acceptable. And Mm -hmm. that both of those things are actually gonna work out to your good later on. So I think a lot of times we grow up, if we're talking about stereotypes and demographics, I, of course I love black music, that's my first love, but I also love punk, I also love rock, I also love 80s rock, I also love emo I also love just a bunch of stuff pretty much outside of country so <laughs> besides country so like growing up I did get teased yeah for even though I love new edition you know even though I loved LL I still love Bon Jovi I still love the cure you know so I still got teased for those types of things and I was like well, what's wrong with me da, da, da. and it's there's nothing wrong with you especially since Black people started everything. So once you realize that, it's like you can't even be, be, be made fun of anymore, you know? But I, that's something I would tell myself is that you learn different and that's okay. And you like what you like and that's okay too. That was, that was dope. One, I, I feel like you may have had, you've met a lot of celebrities throughout your, your journey. I will have to have a conversation on just like your experiences with different different celebrities and artists that you you've met because I've I've met my my share working in uh-huh. my previous sector and it's it's interesting but I, I agree with you on the different musical tastes like it's I have a very vast music taste my wife and I my, every time a song comes on we could be in we could be in like a supermarket or mm-hmm. in a club and I start singing and she looks at me she's like how the hell did you know. <laughs> I like I like everything. I like I'm I, I am I'm right, agreeing with you right. as well. I don't I don't really bang with country music, but I, I like if it's got a if it's got a nice hook, if it's got a nice beat, if the lyrics is good, I, I okay. vibe with it. So, Toya, thank you for for stopping by the corner. We appreciate you. Thank you so for much. having me. I really appreciate. It. I really enjoyed it. Thank, thank you. you. Once again, I want to thank Toya for joining me for this podcast interview today. Follow her on Instagram at What's Good Toya. Her podcast is called The First Time I Heard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for being supporters of this show. Please don't forget to email me any of your comments, questions or your disagreements at realtalk at salascorner.com. And just going back to the conversation, you know, I, I can't. Uh, drive home enough the importance of artistic expression and how important it is to seeing these moments be successful. And, and I just want to talk about something really quickly that I'm seeing a lot of take take place in a lot of companies going in this direction. Saying Black Lives Matter is not a political position. Supporting Black life is not a political position. 
me wearing a t-shirt that says BLM or Black Lives Matter or don't shoot me is not a political position. It is a cry to recognize my humanity. And for these companies that are putting out these letters saying in support of Black Lives Matter is a political stance that they don't want to weigh in, says that I don't care about your humanity. I just care about the dollar. And I think as we try to continuously hold folks attention in this moment and hope that the people that joined in in this movement stay for the long haul, that we start to hold companies, managers, large corporations, nonprofit organizations accountable for not being willing to say black lives matter. I want to thank you as always for tuning in and supporting this platform. Please rate and subscribe. Please share this conversation with your community, with your friends, and think a little bit deeply about not just what's being said, not just the policy that you see and the things that spread on social media, but our expectations of society, our expectations of criminal justice, our expectations of companies and corporations and how they represent us and our representation of political officials. Thank you as always. And until next time, peace y'all.